women have already made a powerful and positive impact on the maritime industry. If you can think it, you can do it. Visualize where it is you'd like to get to, and there will be nothing that will prevent you from getting there. That's Rear Admiral Jack Bono, the 13th Superintendent of the United States Merchant Marine Academy. At the end of the 2018-2019 academic year, I sat down with Admiral Bono to find out how his first academic year went. As a graduate of the United States Merchant Marine Academy, I wanted to know also what is the state of the academy and how are things going moving forward under his vision. This is the Women Offshore Podcast. I'm your host, Ali Cedeno, a mariner and founder of Women Offshore. Women Offshore is an online organization and resource center supporting a diverse workforce on the water. The United States Merchant Marine Academy is located in Kings Point, New York, and is one of the federal service academies in the United States. It was dedicated on September 30th, 1943 by President Franklin D. Roosevelt. President Roosevelt stated at the time, the Academy serves the Merchant Marine as West Point serves the Army and Annapolis the Navy. The United States Merchant Marine Academy trains officers for all branches of the military in addition to the transportation industry. Students are referred to as midshipmen and study marine engineering, navigation, ships administration, maritime law, and a long list of other subjects for operating a vessel. This year, the United States Merchant Marine Academy found itself under new leadership of Rear Admiral Jack Bono. Before I play the interview, I want to let you know a little bit about Admiral Bono's background. So before he came to the United States Merchant Marine Academy to serve as the superintendent, he had an extensive and very impressive career in the maritime industry. He served as the president and CEO of Sea River Maritime, which is an ExxonMobil marine subsidiary headquartered in Houston, Texas. He chaired the board of International Marine Transportation Limited, an ExxonMobil subsidiary in Great Britain, and chaired the ExxonMobil Global Marine Center, providing operation guidance to ExxonMobil affiliates worldwide. He's a 1978 graduate of the United States Merchant Marine Academy, and upon graduation, he joined the Marine Department of Exxon Company USA. Between 1978 and 1986, he served as a deck officer aboard various sized tankers before being promoted to Master Mariner. In 1991, Bono transferred ashore where he progressed through the management ranks before retiring as president and CEO of Sea River. When Admiral Bono was first appointed to this position, there was a buzz in the industry. People were excited to see someone from private industry who was now going to lead the academy. I had the privilege of sitting down with Admiral Bono to discuss his vision, and I'm pleased to play that interview for you now. Welcome, Rear Admiral Bono, to the Women Offshore Podcast. Allie, it's great to have you back home, and it's good to be a part of Women Offshore. <laughs> Thank you. As you wrap up the 2018-2019 school year, how has it been as superintendent? 
Do you have any memorable experiences you can share with us? It's been life-changing for me in a good way. It's uh, been a very interesting seven months since we got here. There are some very significant memories I'll carry for the rest of my life. My commissioning ceremony was over-the-top awesome. Admiral Busby was here, and in the pomp and circumstance and, and tradition of the Maritime Service, it was just a wonderful welcoming back to Kings Point. I, I would say that was probably a very significant memory. Also, you don't spend much time thinking about what it's going to be like to be superintendent back at your alma mater and you know, being a father and having children that participated in sports and loving being in the stands to watch the kids participate. I've got 15 teams. And there's some very memorable times on the athletic field with our football team up in Massachusetts at the playing Endicott for the New England Bowl and winning. Our women's lacrosse team just finished their season undefeated. Good. Congratulations. Yes, yes. Our women's basketball team had an amazing year. Good. Went to the NCAAs. So, you know, we've had All-Americans, our wrestlers, our swimmers. We've had All-Americans, and we just had our dinghy team going off to nationals. Very exciting to participate in that. And, again, it's not something I spent an awful lot of time thinking about what it would be like, but to have a chance to be there as a big fan for our teams, both men and women, has been an awesome experience with a lot of memories there. The government's shutdown was a memory that was uh, not expected. Oh, yeah. It was a little bit of a challenge and a test, but I feel good about what we were able to do with the help of MARAD and our alumni association, our parents' organization. We went through a shutdown with, I believe, minimum impact to our midshipmen, and I'm proud of that. So it was a, it was a harrowing number of days that we were involved with that, but I think the outcome was very good. Okay, Admiral, why did you decide to come back to the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy? What was I thinking? Ali, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for the question. I did retire from ExxonMobil in 2016. Felt very blessed to be there. I had an extraordinary career to be able to retire as president and CEO and also have the opportunity to sell as master for, for a number of years. It was an exciting career. If I, when I look back after retiring, the most satisfying side of that career was believing that I had a positive impact on the careers of many of those that got to work, I had the opportunity to work together with. And so the thought of being here in an environment where you had some of America's best and brightest getting ready to start their careers, I felt like there was something I still had I can offer to give them a head start, to have them start to process in their own mind things that will define them as leaders when they get out of this institution, and felt like I wasn't done yet. So I will say seven months after having made that decision and coming back here, it was the right decision to make. I couldn't be happier being among all these men and women. They truly are remarkable. They're going to do great things. With me or without me, I just hope that in the time that I'm here, that I'll be able to provide them something and be able to make a positive impact on their careers. Yeah. How do we encourage more alumni to come back and give back like you are? I am impressed with our alums. I think we have the strongest alumni association 
in the world. Having said that, I do think there's a number of alums that have kind of gotten beyond King's Point. Maybe, maybe they were like me years ago. I became pretty dissatisfied with King's Point, my alma mater. It was a little upsetting to me to see to see other state schools really promoting and doing more to look at the mariner of the future and develop programs in support of that. Why wasn't my alma mater in the forefront in doing that? Hopefully that while I'm here and I see opportunities for us to do just that, that more alums will listen and, and believe and maybe get reinvigorated to get involved. I'm very excited about how many alums are actively involved and would be even more excited if more decided to say, you know what, I think there's good things going on at my alma mater. I think I'm going to engage again and give it a chance. Because uh, we're very, very fortunate. Our alums do so much for this, this institution. For instance, leadership is a key pillar of this academy, and it's important that we graduate leaders of exemplary character. I learned more about leadership on the soccer field than I did in the classroom. I keep saying that, but I mean it. Athletics are extremely important in development of leadership. Our Alumni Association pays 50% of the bill for our athletic programs. They are an integrally important component of success here at Kings Point. During the government shutdown, uh, Captain Jim Toman, President of the Alumni Association, Chairman uh, John Artson, they came to me. Tom Wesley from the Parents Association, they were there every day. What can we do? What can we do to help our midshipmen? It's powerful. It's important. And I would encourage any alum that's listening that may have become a little disenfranchised with their academy and alma mater, come on back. Give it a chance. There's good things going on here. Yeah. I did not come back for over 10 years after graduation. I just needed a long break. And now I've been back twice this year, which is kind of (laughs) shocking. But I'm so impressed with the Academy and especially the midshipmen talking to them. Can yeah. you share with me what your vision is as superintendent? Vision? I'm supposed to have a vision? <laughs> <laughs> I do have a vision. And it's something I have been talking about since I got here. I tried to expose the Academy and folks at large to my feelings coming into the position at the commissioning ceremony. So the words I chose for that event were very well thought out. It's one of the first, I like to speak extemporaneously like we're doing now. Um, but at that event, I felt it was so important to say who I was, what I was about, and what I'm coming into this role, hoping that we can achieve together as part of the vision moving forward. So one of them was, you know, it has to do with leadership, what leadership is, what leadership isn't, it has to do with respect, and what that means and what are the behaviors that go with respect. It's institutional culture. That's part of our strategic plan. It's strategic priority. Number two, institutional culture is probably one of the most important that we have to get our hands around. What does it mean to be a King's Pointer? How do you treat others? What is your journey going to entail as an officer coming out of this academy? But as far as the vision... You know, the implementation of the strategic plan was extremely important for me. I had an opportunity before coming into the role to participate in the strategic planning summit earlier in 2018. 
One of the things middle states found when they came here for their accreditation review was that while we had a strategic plan, it really wasn't being used to the extent that it should. And I want to make sure that our strategic plan, which I'm wholeheartedly in support of, the six strategic priorities, that it's something that speaks to everything we do. There's not a meeting that I'm in that I don't mention what strategic priority we're talking about at the meeting or when I'm communicating with MARAD, I speak in terms of the progress we're making with each of these six strategic priorities. So the vision is to deliver on those six strategic priorities. They're very important. I can talk about them, but they can also be accessed online. Also, it was important to me to, to do what I think was so necessary to connect with our stakeholders, the industry. I was the CEO, president and CEO of a shipping company, and I didn't have much involvement with the academy or academy leadership, whereas I had been involved with academy leadership from the state schools. So I wanted to change that. A lot of what we do here is to prepare men and women for careers in the maritime industry, as well as the branches of service. So to connect with them and understanding what they need in terms of the future of their companies and their objectives, it's real important for us. So I believe we've been doing a pretty good job in good. connecting with the industry. There's more work to be done. Connecting with the Alumni Association, extremely important to the future of this academy, as well as the National Parents Association. I feel good about the progress we're making in connecting with these stakeholders. The best kept secret, I've mentioned that when I came into the job, I believe the entire maritime industry is a best kept secret from the general public. I don't believe the citizens of our great country really understand how vitally important a strong uh, maritime uh, is for their well-being, for their economic and national security. The merchant marine is extremely important. 90% of all the goods and services that we enjoy as Americans come by water, either in finished products or you know, in pieces. So that's part of the best-kept secret. If we're going to make progress in terms of having the nation understand the importance of maritime, I feel like I need to be a champion of that. I'm leaving for D.C. tomorrow to start visiting with members of Congress and sharing with them the thoughts of how vitally important our maritime security is and how important this institution is to that economic and national security. And then lastly, I'd say when you look at our institution, we had the car show this Saturday. It was such a beautiful day in contrast to what we have outside the windows today. But it was a sunny day and we had the most remarkable number of antique cars, collectibles around the campus. We had one of, one of the Chryslers from 1940s that actually drove on this campus back in the day, parked outside of Wiley Hall, which as you know, is the former Chrysler mansion. And it takes you back to realizing just how significant the history and tradition is with this institution dating all the way back, back to its origin of World War II. And while I think we need to embrace that, have it ever present in our minds as to what it means to be a King's Pointer from our roots and the 142 midshipmen that gave their lives in support of this country's security during the time of World War II. While we need to embrace that, recognize that, 
We need to look at and focus on the next 75 years of maritime history to come and prepare our midshipmen to make their mark, men and women, make their mark on the future of the maritime industry. To do that, we need to improve our facilities, hoping to make progress. We've gotten, we've received a considerable amount of money from Congress over the years, and we're about to spend a big chunk of it to renovate some of the older buildings that, here, that are here. But in addition to that, new facilities like Lower Roosevelt Field, new athletic facilities for what will be our NCAA women's soccer team. Good. Yeah, I was hearing from some people yeah. about that, how there's going to be some changes to the field, and that's exciting. But in order to have that team, we need to have a place for them to play. So facilities like that, but then also have my eyes on the thoughts for a future facility where we can bring we can bring graduate studies back to the academy, a federal maritime center of excellence to this academy. So a lot of interesting ideas that I'm going to need the help of many to try to promote as part of the vision to prepare this academy to embrace the next 75 years. Recently finished up your 100 days here at the academy. Did you set any goals for yourself to complete in those 100 days? Did you achieve them? Well, I'll give myself a report card of maybe a B plus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there's, there's some things I think went pretty well. I wanted to make sure they understood who I was and who I am and what I stand for as far as leadership respect and how I feel about the best kept secret. And I feel very good about the interaction I've had with our midshipmen. I've made it a point try and get out there and meet as many as I can because I think the impact that you have the opportunity to make is going to be directly related to the uh, face-to-face interaction you have with the midshipmen. So I'm dedicated to that. I think I'm doing a pretty good job with that, but you can never do enough with that. Uh, Implementing our strategic plan, as I mentioned, I'm going to give myself mané in terms of making sure that everything we do here is in accordance with our strategic plan. Connecting with stakeholders, I'm going to give that a pretty good, a pretty good mark. But, but honestly, there's a lot more that I can do. I was hoping that I would be able to connect to every faculty member that we have. And here we are, and every staff member that we have. And Ali, I have to tell you, up to seven months, I could blame a shutdown. I could blame a few things, but I haven't done that. I haven't connected with all of them, and I need to do that. So... I'd say when it's a mixed bag, I feel generally pretty good, but I recognize there's there's more I can do to you know promote the impact that can be made by this administration and on this academy. Yeah, as you go about promoting that impact and your vision, how do you mind the gap, ensuring that what is set forth in policy is implemented in a sustainable manner for a long term? Simply said, I believe strongly in quality management systems. I came from a very long-standing conservative corporation in ExxonMobil. One of the things I learned taking away from that is the difficulty that folks have in going through many audits and making sure you adhere to quality management systems pays off. It pays dividends. It's conservative. It's sound management. Here, We have tremendous people doing great jobs. We have policies, we have regulations, we have procedures, 
but we don't have what I would call quality management systems. So you're familiar with the ISM code. For instance, the ISM code uh, speaks to quality management systems. I'd like to see us bring that kind of approach to management, to the academy. Now, the academy is an academic institution, so it's not necessarily an operating company which would mandate some of those systems that I was talking about. But still, the logic in saying what you do, doing what you say, auditing it, verifications and measurements, making sure you're constantly reevaluating and make sure you're getting to where you want to go to, there's an opportunity to bring that to the academy and start taking steps towards making that happen. So that's how I would say in the future we need to mine the gap, is take the hard work and dedication of our people and translate into quality management systems that will ensure that these systems bolster uh, mining that gap. Okay. Would those systems also include initiatives for diversity and inclusion and measuring that at the academy? Yes, absolutely. If you were to look at this academy, you would have a human resources system that would have a focus on recruiting. And so, you know, in addition to understanding the process and procedures that your uh, team is going after in order to promote applicants to the academy, there's a lot more that we can do and will do in terms of promoting diversity and inclusion. I would see that in a quality management system. Now, we're not waiting for a formal quality management system to work you know, inclusion and diversity at the academy. And part of my reason for going to Washington and over the future, making contacts with members of Washington is to help promote increased diversity and inclusion here. We're doing a good job. We have a wonderful team. Mike Bedrick and his team uh, in uh, recruiting is doing a tremendous job. The statistics right now on the next class are exciting. You know, we have uh, the number of women that are coming to the academy is growing. Good. We are now going to be over 25%. Wow. That's not the end game. We need. We want to move that even further, moving the needle. But the needle is moving in the right direction there. And I have to say, since uh, quite a number of your uh, listeners will be women, I have to say that I'm extremely excited about having the opportunity to work closely with uh, as many women that are on the academy now. They are very exciting to watch grow and develop. I mentioned whether it's on the athletic field or whether it's pinning gold stars or silver stars for academic achievement. Our women are extremely impressive. I was the first class that graduated in 1978 with women. And I couldn't be more proud of the fact that I was part of that class. And I couldn't be more proud of the women that I graduated with. They are just superb examples of leaders in the industry and beyond. So I'm excited to see our numbers move in that direction. I think there are phenomenal careers waiting for women in the maritime industry. I think there's still a bit of a pioneering going on there, but women are making their mark and changing the industry for the better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've been incredibly impressed with the female cadets here. Many are involved in women offshore. And uh, every now and then, the SEER stand-down gets brought up. And I wanted to know, what's been going on since the SEER stand-down? How do you think the Academy has changed since then? Well, I think the Academy has changed for the better. 
I'll tell you this. Our class of 2019, they're getting ready to graduate in a few weeks. Couldn't be more impressed with them. I've mentioned it a number of times to them and to parents and to the alums. This class has been through it all. They've been through four commandants, three superintendents. They've been through senior stand-down, government shutdown, you name it. They've been through it. And they're perhaps one of the strongest classes to graduate. They've been put to the test. They're resilient. They've learned how to overcome adversity. And they're lacking nothing as they walk out of Victory Gate. I would say that, um, you know, the ability to sustain the growth and development over time is sound here. See your stand down. We had before the see your stand down about 63 companies that were engaged in carrying midshipmen. Uh, we're down to, it's growing, but we're around the 25 number. And while that sounds alarming, that reduction, we're actually at 90% of capacity. So the companies that have come back have been the big companies with a lot of berths for midshipmen. We are not lacking for berths. We want more and we're bringing more into the fold and they are coming back. As, and as you know, they, they need to satisfy shipboard compliance uh, requirements in order to do that, but they are. Now, where we're at is a better place than where we were at before. We do have more controls and safeguards. You know, as a superintendent, I was asked once, what keeps you up at night? And I said, well, nothing keeps me up at night because <laughs> I'm exhausted by the end of the day. But one of the things I think about all the time is the safety of our midshipmen, both at the academy, but as you know, we have midshipmen around the world. The world is their campus. So making sure that our midshipmen are in a safe environment is extremely important. I believe we are in a better place as far as that goes after the CEOs stand down than perhaps we were beforehand. We have devices that they carry. We have programs and and policies in which we connect with our midshipmen when they're out there. So there's always more that can be done. Our sexual assault prevention and response program is far more robust, and we are constantly doing training in that regard. For instance, allowing midshipmen to understand the telltale signs of problems before they develop, mm -hmm. so that, and then giving them the vehicle mechanisms to uh, have some assistance and help with that. We're in a better place now. More work to be done, but I feel good about the progress since the CEO shutdown. That's really good to hear. At Women Offshore, I try to make it accessible to the cadets and especially your new grads so that when they go out into the workforce, they have a network, they have women to reach out to, and they have resources. Admiral, do you have any advice for our listeners and the women who hang out on our website at womenoffshore.org? If you can think it, you can do it. The maritime industry is, uh, provides amazing careers and such diverse opportunities to pursue your personal greatness. You may be faced with some difficulty and adversity along the way. It'll make the final outcome that much more exciting and more worthwhile. Women have already made a powerful and positive impact on the maritime industry. If you can think it, you can do it. Visualize where it is you'd like to get to, and there will be nothing that will prevent you from getting there. So please keep moving forward. Realize your dreams. It'll happen. Last question for you. So in your own words, why should an applicant choose the United States Merchant Marine Academy? 
I have to be careful because I don't want to offend some of your listeners that may not have graduated from the United States Merchant Marine Academy. But I will say that I'm extremely excited about what this academy has to offer. Let me say, I think we produce an amazing product. The regimental commander used that term once, uh, the product, our graduates. I really think they're unique. I think this institution is, is a treasure. And some of the differentiating factors of this institution and why applicants may want to consider King's Point for their education is that we're the only federal service academy to provide not only a commission in the armed services, but also a license as a U.S. Coast Guard merchant officer, in addition to a Bachelor of Science degree. We are the only federal service academy that does that. We also are the only federal service academy that provides options on how you're going to fulfill your commitment upon graduation, which can be in the Naval Reserve onboard merchant vessels in the industry, or it can be active duty in any of the armed services. We're the only federal service academy to offer that option. We also have a work-study program that I think is the is, is more significant than I ever gave it credit to in terms of what these leaders become by the time they graduate, and that's CEO. They're out in the real world. Our regimental commander was at a conference recently at the Naval Academy. It was a leadership conference where all uh, midshipmen and cadets from the service academies got together and talked about leadership things. And when he came back, a debrief with him, and I said, "What? how'd you feel? What do you have to report back? He said, Admiral, think we produce a better product. I said, why is that? He said, see here. Well, they were all talking about, we were all talking about leadership challenges. And while they were talking about it in a hypothetical sense, because they were still at school, I was able to draw on real life experiences from see here, things I had seen, countries I was in, circumstances I'd seen on the high seas. That gave me an advantage. And I think when we graduate, we graduate already experienced on what it's like to be in the industry. We're unique in that regard. We graduate exemplary leaders committed to serve our economic and national security. Payscale, which is an online website, and I don't put too much emphasis on salaries upon graduation. It's just a data point. But Payscale has recognized the United States Merchant Marine Academy as the number one return on investment of all American colleges. You know, the basis for that is a 20-year career and salaries that were achieved over that 20-year career. Again, it's one data point because we have alums in all facets of the world today making their mark. And I hate to draw upon just compensation as a factor, but in that area, Kings Point is number one. And it's satisfying in, in regard to the fact that it is ahead of MIT. It's ahead of all the service academies and state schools as well. We're proud of that. I think that if you're a high school graduate, male or female, and you feel like there's something calling you to discover your personal greatness, and you want to challenge that and put yourself to the test, we will return on that investment. That's who we are, the United States Marshal Marine Academy. You Great. should know. Oh, I know. <laughs> I am a graduate. Yes. So thank you so much, Admiral. I really appreciate that you came on the Women Offshore podcast today. Thank you. Thank you, Ali. Really, really glad that you're here bringing Women Offshore back to the Academy. And for all that you are doing, as well as your constituents at Women Offshore, 
to promote the welfare and careers of women. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Women Offshore podcast. This has been episode 16. On my next episode, you're going to hear from Lena Gothberg, the woman from Sweden behind the shipping podcast. Until next time, stay safe out there and I'll talk to you soon.